0: All right, this weekend we celebrate Palm Sunday, and uh, I have a confession to make that uh, many times over the years, um, we just preached a a regular sermon on this weekend. We haven't focused in on the events that happen. Uh, Some of the hardest sermons to preach are the repetitive ones, that you know it's the same thing year after year, and so I tried to stretch and you know preach about other things, but I felt a deep conviction to really focus in on Palm Sunday, to really focus in on Holy Week, and to really focus in on what's leading us up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, I really believe this is something to celebrate. This anchors us. This is a big deal. I mean, any story that is in all four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's a big deal. And so I really wanted to make sure that I preached it. I'm going to read a a rather lengthy passage of, of Scripture from two different spots. But we're going to focus in on this and take a look at what's leading up to the the, the death on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 21, again, I'm going to read a a bunch of scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or you can jot it down for your notes. But it says this, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her, untie them and bring them to me. A very large large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted. And I want to point that out. They shouted this. Hosanna. They said, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I'm skipping down to verse 14 and Jesus goes in and he goes into the temple and in verse 14, it says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Let me give a little bit more here in Luke chapter 19 of this story. Again, remember all four gospels carry this. It says, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, and by the way, when you go to Jerusalem with us on a a global team, if you ever go to Israel, you'll walk that road. It's an amazing thing to walk that very road, and you'll have to dodge cars today, but, you know, he didn't back then, but you'll walk that very road. It says, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. uh, what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And then in verse 45, it says, when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, I want to give you the context here. I read a bunch of scripture here, and I gave you a little bit from here and a little bit from there, tr- trying to put the story together. It's one week before Passover. All of Israel is getting ready to celebrate Passover. They are going to go to Jerusalem. That's what they need to do for Passover. It's a big deal. And and we know in John chapter 12, verse 1, it says six days before Passover, Jesus was going up. So we know that it was six days before. It really was Palm Sunday. And he's heading up to Jerusalem. Now, I want you to know that a historian tells us that in the prep for this pilgrimage, they're all going uh, up to Jerusalem. As many people as can make this trip, they are getting ready for this, this journey to go there. A historian tells us that a month before the journey, all the bridges would be repaired. All of the roads would be repaired. Any place that there was a grave, they would go and paint it white so that everybody would know there's a dead body here. Don't accidentally see in this spot because if they did, they'd be unclean and they couldn't go participate in all the festivities. So they're getting prepped. I mean, this is is a big deal. And you think about all the prep teams that came into Minneapolis with, with the Super Bowl, with the Final Four. I mean, this is the big moment. They are prepping. There's an advanced team getting everything ready. Everything's pointing to this moment. Now, there's a buzz that's going on, because if you know your Bible, you know the story about Lazarus, where Jesus brings Lazarus back from the dead. This has just happened right before this. So Lazarus is dead, and Jesus brings him back from the dead. And if you think that they were talking about Jesus before that, now they're really talking about him. I mean, he's brought Lazarus back from the dead, and so they are talking, and there's a buzz that's going on. There's such a buzz going on about Jesus at this moment. There's such a buzz about him that he brought Lazarus back from the dead that the religious leaders were so angry with Jesus that they determined we're going to try to kill Jesus and we're going to try to kill Lazarus. How many knew that they were going to try to kill Lazarus? Raise your hand. Uh, not a lot of people. I'm guessing at all of our campuses. In John 12:10, it says this. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. They're like, they're talking about him. They, he brought him back from the dead. And next week in Easter, we're talking about both sides of the stone. Do you understand the intensity that's happening? And they're, they're just upset. And I'm just thinking about poor Lazarus in this moment. He's like, um, I was dead. And then you brought me back. And now they want to kill me. Like, dying of sickness was not good enough? I have to be murdered? I mean, like, what's going on here, God? And, and just if I could stop for just a moment here, if the devil isn't fighting you, you're not doing much. Some of us think, like, it's going to be perfect. I was dead, and then healed me, and now everything's perfect. I'm telling you what, even though you get one breakthrough, the devil is still going to fight you. In this walk, you're going to have an opposition and the devil doesn't like it that Lazarus is a living testimony of the power of God. And so the people are like, we've got to take him out. We've got to get rid of that guy. And I I just, I gave you something to remember here. I'll say it like this. If you're doing a lot, the devil is hot. If you're doing a lot, the devil is hot, okay? So when you get attacked, you say, okay, I must be doing something. But then instead of backing down, you got to say, hey, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I'm not backing down. You're like, bring it on, all right? So you've got to keep moving forward. And so Lazarus, they want to take him out. They want to take Jesus out. And this whole moment here is really a transition that's happening right now in the life of Jesus. We've got this parade or processional that is happening, this triumphal entry, and I I really want to call it a parade. If you've been in Israel, and I, 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 I was there just recently and there was a bar mitzvah and they had this young boy and they had the people with the tambourines and the horns and the drums and they were like dancing around and it was loud. And it was, I mean, it was a processional and there were people all decked out. And they, I mean, the whole family was there. And the, they, I mean, it was just so incredible to see just a small little thing. And I'm thinking when Jesus was entering, this is like, here I come. This is the moment. Everything has changed. How many know that prior to this, whenever Jesus did something, he was always like, shh, don't tell anybody. He's like, people get healed. They're like, I'm healed. He's like, shh, don't tell anybody. And they they couldn't keep it in. How many know? They're like, I can't help it. I'm healed. And he's like, shh, don't don't tell anybody. And on this one, he's kind of like, here we go. Here we go. Strike up the band. Start the parade. Here we go. This is a moment that I'm going to point out to you, and he's saying, hey, here I come. Here I come, and it's an amazing thing, this triumphal entry. And in the triumphal entry, he's riding on a donkey, and you're wondering probably like, why in the world is he riding on a donkey? I mean, I would have rode on a horse, but there was, you know, uh, some definite prophecy that was being fulfilled in Zechariah 9 9 it says rejoice daughter Zion shout daughter Jerusalem see your king comes to you righteous and victorious lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey that was written 500 years earlier 500 years earlier, it says when the king's coming, when the Messiah is coming, he's going to be riding on a donkey. Now you understand why Jesus is like, all right, I'm coming in, I'm riding on the donkey. And in that moment, people are starting to connect the dots. The crowd is getting loud. Things are happening. And the Bible says that they were throwing palm branches down. And I have a few, I mean, they were just waving them around. They were waving the palm branches and they are out there and they're sitting there. And this stood for goodness and victory. Because they were saying, Jesus, you are goodness, you are victory. And they would take those palm branches and they would throw them down on his path and he would walk right over them. You know that there's another spot where we're going to wave palm branches. Do you know that all of us get to participate in palm branch waving, not just on the weekend? I only have enough for me, but, uh, you know, all right. Hey, I want to point out one day we're all going to wave palm branches, Revelation 7, 9. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. So here we've got Jesus with the palm branches, with the donkey, and then Revelation is telling us, guess what? Second time, we're going to be there, and we're going to be waving palm branches in front of our Lord and Savior. Now, in a conquest, a king would come riding in on a donkey after the battle was won, and he would say, we won the battle, we won the battle, and I'm riding on the donkey, now there's peace for the people. And it's interesting, how many know that after any battle, there's, there's casualties? There would be people that would be like, thank you for winning the battle, but I lost my son. Thank you for winning the battle, but we lost our dad. There'd be victory and there'd be sadness. But in this parade, in this victory parade, the only one that's sad in this scenario is Jesus. They're like, Hosanna. They're, they're all excited. They praise God. He save us. They're shouting and they're just so overjoyed. And the Bible tells us that Jesus gets there and weeps over Jerusalem because he realizes I'm going to be the casualty. I'm bringing peace, but I'm going to be the casualty. And there's this whole thing that's going on. And then all that's happening, the the text that I read, it said the whole city was moved. And how many know when it comes to Jesus, the whole city is moved? You just can't be neutral on Jesus. You can't be neutral on Jesus. There's, There's people either love them or they hate them. And in that day, people, they were critics, they were like, we want Jesus dead, we want him gone, we want him forgotten, and I believe there are people today that are like, I I want Jesus dead, gone, forgotten, but I've got news for you, he's not going anywhere. He's here. There was crowd, there was the curious people, there were the committed people, there were the core that were right there, sold out. And the Bible tells us they were yelling, Hosanna, they were yelling this, and it means save us save us. But I want to let you know that this word transformed over years, and it originally meant just like save us, like, like you're stranded on a, a, a desert island, okay? And you see a, a plane going over, and you, you start the fire, and you're like, save me, save me, you know, desperate. But it switched from that to save us, like you have saved us, like the ship is coming over to you to save you, and you're like, save Yes. And it became a victory. Instead of a plea like, save us. They weren't like, please, please help. They were like, you are going to save us. You have come to save us. And that's what they were shouting. We, you have come to save us. And we are, we are not stranded. We are not abandoned. You are here. And we are living in victory because you're here. And you're here to save us. And the people were telling them over and over again, like, tell us plainly it's you. And Jesus was like, I am. I am. I'm riding in on a donkey. Um, You're seeing the prophecy fulfilled with the palm branches. Do you get this? And he starts putting pieces together. And even when I read to you about Jesus going into the temple, you're probably wondering, like, why did you read that part? He was also fulfilling a prophecy in that moment. In, in, In Isaiah 56, in verse 7, it says, Then my house will be known as a house of worship for all nations. So there was a prophecy that was talking about the Messiah coming in in Isaiah and it was saying when when he comes in, he'll make sure that you know God's house, God's place of worship is really a place of worship. It's a place of prayer. It's a place where he's lifted up. And it's interesting, if you have time, Isaiah 56, verses 6 through 8, it's, it's, it's wrapped around saying that God's going to bring in the foreigner. God's going to reach out to the people on the outside. And he's saying, hey, this is about to burst forth. God's about ready to open up and to bring in all sorts of people to him. And he's saying his house will be a house of worship. And the Bible tells us that he, that he, that he threw out the, the money changers. He was so upset and he was so angry with them. And and here's what he was angry at. He was angry at the fact that people were making it difficult for other people to connect to God. He was upset. He was like, I'm going to drive you money changers out of here because you are making it difficult for people to get connected with God. And God wants his place to be a place where people connect with him all around the world. Everybody comes here and they can connect with God because God wants to connect with them. God wants to love them. God wants to be in relationship with them. And you are making it difficult. You've become greedy. You've made this a business. And he's angry with them. So he drives the money changers out. And all of them, do you understand? People are starting to connect the dots. And then he's there in the temple, and the Bible tells us, and I read that thing about the lame and the blind coming to him for a reason. So he's he has the triumphal entry. He's doing all these things. He rides on the donkey. They're like, wait a minute. He drives the money changers out and says, my house will be a house of prayer. And then he goes and he heals people. In Isaiah 35, verses 4 through 6, it says, Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. So here they are. He's, he's coming into the the, the city. He gets to the temple. He sits down. And he's like, bring me the sick people. Bring me the mute. Bring me the lame. Bring me the blind. And he starts healing people as he's saying, you know who's here. The Messiah is here. The promised one is here. And he's bringing the outcast in that moment. I mean, do you understand how different this is from other kings? I read about one king in Africa that he proclaimed himself king, and it cost twenty-five million dollars for him to proclaim himself king. That day, he had a he had a, a robot that had like one thousand two hundred crystals, and he did this. Caught twenty-five million, and at the time in the seventies, his whole country only had like two hundred fifty million. He spent ten percent saying, "I'm the king. Bring me the gold. Bring me the goods." And people had to stand in hundred degree heat to look at this king and say, "You're the king." Jesus is like, hey. There's no crown here. I'm going to have a crown, but it's going to be a crown of thorns. There's no crystal here. And, and by the way, instead of you standing in the heat and passing out, bring me the lame, bring me the sick, bring me the people that are the outcast. That's the type of kingdom that we're going to have here. And, and it's an amazing thing that Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, everything bows to me, including sickness. And I would tell you this, if you are sick and you need a healing this weekend, I would come for prayer this weekend. I'm saying every weekend God's strength is powerful, but there's something about this weekend because this is like the time when he unveiled to everybody, hey, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. And if he was healing on that day, I'm just like, let your faith rise up and may you say, man, if if there's something about this, if we're leading into Holy Week, I'm ready for a miracle. I'm coming in faith believing. So all this is happening. And then, of course, we have the praise of the children. In Psalm 8, uh, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And so all these things are happening, and all the religious people know these things have to happen for the Messiah to be there. And Jesus is like, I'm the promised one. I'm the deliverer. Do you see all these things are happening? And they're like, Jesus, tell those kids to be quiet. Do you hear them? And he's like, oh, I hear them. I hear them. And it's music to my ears. It's music to my ears. And he says, I I hear it from them, and I'd like to hear it from you too. And he says, and if I don't, the rocks could cry out. Which leads me to another thing about this time of what Jesus was doing the praise that was going on, the praise that was happening there. And uh, I want us to praise at all of our campuses. I've asked us to end with this thought of of a time of praise because they're saying, stop this, stop this praise. And he's like, no, no, this praise is amazing. These children are coming to praise me and I like it. I want everyone to praise me. He says, everything has been designed to praise him. And we've got to praise him from the heart. And it's interesting, they were praising God They were saying, we praise you, God, for what you did for Lazarus. We praise you, God, for what you did parting the sea for the children of Israel years ago. We praise you, God. God, we praise you for calming the storm. But you know what? When we get to praise God today, we get to say not like Bible characters, like, thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, for that. We can say, thank you, God, for what you did for me. I get to praise you today saying, thank you, God, for what you did for me. Instead of like, look at what you did for the multitudes. Look at what you did for Lazarus. Look what you did, call me in the sea. You could say, God, I thank you for what you did for me. With us, we could say, I'm saved. I'm secure. My family is saved. Look at the good you've done. Look at the miracles you've done in my life, in my family. I will praise you. I wish I had a palm branch to give to everybody. Maybe next year, all right? I would, I'm, but hey, you don't have to have a palm branch. How about your hands? We can raise our hands. And some of you might have never done that before. It's gonna be a moment at all of our campuses to praise God and you can raise your hands, clap your hands and have victory. Because it's interesting, they're like, hey, keep it quiet, keep it quiet. And Jesus is like, no, I want them to be loud. I want them to sing my praises. I want them to shout it out. And how many know that people say this about our church, they're like, man, your church is a little loud. It's a little loud. It's a lot of praise. There's a lot of people clapping and, and, and raising their hands. I'm not sure how I feel about that. The world's okay with, with praise as long as it's calm, quiet, proper, and cold. <laughs> like, where we're, this is our way. I'll tell you what. Jesus is like, I want hot praise. I want it to come out of your heart. I want it to come overflowing. He's saying, I wish that everyone was praising me loud. I wish that everyone was thanking me for what I've done. And this is a time to celebrate. As we go into Holy Week, as we look at this, as we look forward to celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which everything hinges on, I pray that we'd enter into this moment now saying, God, we want to praise you. We want to praise you. And I would say to anybody that doesn't have music and praise in their heart don't stop those of us that do because I've got praise in my heart I've got a lot of things to thank God for He saved me my wife is saved, my kids are saved He healed my son God has done too much good for me to not lean into this week with praise and I may not have a palm branch but I've got two hands and I can raise them to His glory and His honor and I just pray that we'd take advantage of this moment with our whole heart with, with something that's coming from here, praise our Lord and Savior and say, Lord, let us start this week. It's important. Let us start this moment saying, God, you've done so much good. We praise you. They didn't have a clue who you were, but you revealed yourself. We know who you are and we will praise you. So God, I'm just praying right now that we would praise you. We would praise you with our whole heart. We would praise you with hands lifted high, ready to say, God, you've changed us. You've done so much good. You've you've delivered us from so many things. God, thank you. Your word is true. You've done the miracles in our life, and we praise you and give you glory, and we give you honor. Lord, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. We will praise you today and forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.